Hey guys, what's up? It's Denise Salcedo. Welcome back to the channel. Today, I am very happy and excited to bring you this new interview. So my guest today has built an incredible brand for himself. He is a television and radio personality and YouTube extraordinaire. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Chris Van Vliet. Chris, how are you? Denise, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm happy and I'm excited to be here. So thank you for having me. No, you know, I, I know I mentioned this off camera to you, but I need to mention it on camera. I am very, very amazed at your work because let's face it, you have become a force to be reckoned in wrestling media. Your work has only showcased itself. I just need to ask you, with over 258,000 subscribers, 86 million views, let me repeat that, 86 million views and counting, knowing all the work that you have put into it, how does that make you feel seeing the amount of success you have garnered on YouTube? Well, thank you for the kind words. And I think the cool thing about YouTube versus my background in radio and television is it's like incredibly quantifiable, right? Like you can put a video up and instantly, boom, know if it worked or it didn't work based on the comments you get, the likes you get, and the views you get. And let me just say that that is not the main thing that I'm in this for. Like, it's cool to have that instant reaction. Even cooler that you can reach out to someone who liked or maybe didn't like your content and interact with them. But the thing is, I've always just enjoyed having conversations. I've been an inquisitive person my whole life. My dream was to be a broadcaster. And that's what drives me every day. I love being able to wake up excited for what I'm going to do. And then at the end of the day, being able to go, man, I'm really, I'm really proud of what we did here today. Exactly. It's like that instant you can, it's a place where you can easily keep track of your success. You know, you can watch your videos, see how they're doing, hear instant feedback from viewers and whatnot. And here's the thing though, is that, it, you know, trying to build a successful YouTube channel that's not just successful in garnering an audience, but also financially positive YouTube channel. Um, I wanted to know, how did you even start? How did you decide to do this? Because I know you have a background in journalism, but not every reporter sort of starts a YouTube channel. Yeah, so this happened by accident. That's, that's how this happened. <laughs> I, uh, my background is in journalism and broadcasting, like you talked about. I've been an entertainment reporter for the majority of my career. Um, which I graduated from college in 2005. So I've been in broadcasting for 15 years and the YouTube thing kind of happened by accident. So I would do these interviews, especially with wrestlers, which also happened by accident. <laughs> you know, most of my interviews were with actors or celebrities or musicians. And I thought, I'm a wrestling fan. Do you think that I could also like be able to do an interview with a wrestler here on the TV show? And my boss was like, yeah, I'm sure that sounds good. So we would do these interviews uh, every once in a while when Raw or SmackDown or Impact Wrestling would come to town. And we would do like a 10, 15 minute interview with the wrestler and only air 20, 30 seconds right. of it on TV. You know, the broader TV uh, audience maybe wouldn't be wrestling fans. So we would just air the part where they're like, Raw's in town, tickets start at $20. But I had asked all these questions that I genuinely cared about as a fan. And I thought, well, if I thought these questions were interesting. Someone else must find them interesting too. So I just threw them up on my YouTube channel, not thinking anything other than I want these to live somewhere so that other wrestling fans can appreciate this. And my YouTube channel, like three subscribers at the time, my mom being one of them. <laughs> uh, and that was really it. I just wanted to put these up and I put maybe three, four, five videos a year. And 
you know, they, they got a lot of traction early on. And that's, that's kind of where this whole journey began in 2011. So which videos do you think sort of kicked that off for you? Like what video or videos did you post that took your, your channel from that three subscribers to like above and beyond? From three subscribers to like 43 <laughs> subscribers. Yeah. I, I, I can actually pinpoint it to one specifically. It was an interview I did with The Miz. He was about to throw okay. out the first pitch at the Cleveland Indians game. I was a reporter, an entertainment reporter based in Cleveland at the time. And I interviewed him for like, four minutes before he threw out the first pitch. Basically, hey, Miz, you're from Cleveland. Uh, you know, what was it like growing up here? That type of stuff. And then CM Punk had just done the pipe bomb on TV. So I talked to him a little bit about that. And he said, it's the most exciting time to be a wrestling fan since the Attitude Era. And I went, oh, that's, that's cool. And I just put that up on my YouTube channel. We again, had like no subscribers at the time. And I woke up the next day and it had, the video had 6,000 views, which wow. was unbelievable. And then I woke up the next day after that and it had 36,000 views. And I realized that other people had picked this up and shared it on different websites. And that's when the channel really started to grow. That thrown in with, I was doing some celebrity interviews with like the cast of Twilight was really hot. And those interviews ended up getting, you know, a million plus views. So it was like a mix of like these interesting wrestling interviews and then like, jumping on the bandwagon of like hot films at the time and things like really started to grow from there. That's really awesome. And okay, so you never thought that it would get to this point though in terms of popularity. Like, yeah, you saw the numbers growing, but did you ever expect like maybe if I keep going eventually, like this channel can be blossom into something much larger? Oh, no, not at all. No, in 2011, like people didn't even really think about YouTube. It wasn't the beast that it is now. So... I didn't even know, honestly, I didn't know what a subscriber was when I started my channel. I, I would get these notifications in my email, like especially after the Miz video or something mm -hmm. like that. And it would be like, so-and-so has subscribed and you get like hundreds of these emails. And I'm like, what like I gotta turn off these notifications. Like why do you keep getting this junk mail? <laughs> You're like, this is a nuisance. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't understand like the relationship that having a subscriber could mean. I was basically, like I said, just throwing these videos up so that other people could appreciate them like I was appreciating these conversations. So I had no idea. Broadcasting was my first love and my passion. And I was just happy that not only was I able to do broadcasting, but I was able to do it about something that I genuinely was passionate about. Right. And now, so, you know, you're talking about the fact that, you know, you have your journalism background, you're doing these videos, they're accidentally getting really popular. How would you say that having this channel has sort of uh, benefited your career, you know, outside from the YouTube channel? It's funny how it's kind of worked uh, in a reverse way. So when I started in 2005 in radio and TV, it was what was on radio and what was on TV first. And that was just the way that it was. And obviously we know that over these last 15 years, things have shifted quite a lot. Like most people are consuming their content on their phones first, and then maybe they'll see it on TV later. So it's interesting how having this background in journalism has been great at me being able to like, number one, meet deadlines, which is a huge right. thing. <laughs> but number two, like actually being able to drive at like a goal. But I think that it's also important that like, I can now go in for a broadcasting job and they'll look at my digital resume, if you will. They'll look at the Instagram followers or the YouTube followers. And that almost carries more weight 
than the stuff that's like on the broadcast screen, which is really interesting. So that has completely flipped everything that I learned in school, everything that I had coming up in my broadcasting career, honestly plays is second now to everything that's happened since this real wave of new media. And it's funny because that YouTube necessarily, the digital landscape isn't something they even teach you in school. Like that's like, oh yeah, YouTube's there, but we're not gonna even talk about it. But I, that's because I don't know if you really can teach it. Like it, it is such an organic thing. Like there's, if there was a class on how to be a great YouTuber, I honestly don't know. Like there's tips and tricks you can do about titles and tags and descriptions and stuff. But I think at the end of the day, it's like, the number one and number two and number three, number 10 rule is like, find something you love and talk yes. about it. Oh because my God. if you love it, yes. chances are there's millions of other people out there that love it too. So I'm not kidding you right now. When you said that, I felt like I was reverting back into time because before I started my channel, someone told me the exact same thing. Do a channel about what you love. And I was like, that's really your only advice to me. And believe it or not, it's the advice that truly works because if you're not happy with the content you're creating, it's going to show and people are not going to be excited to watch your content. And if you're excited about it, other people are going to be excited about it. It's honestly as simple as that. Exactly. So now, you know, we mentioned that YouTube isn't really something that's discussed about in school and all of that. I guess you can even say that sometimes there's sort of a bad stigma to being a YouTuber. People just see it as, oh, you're a YouTuber, whatever. But the people that don't do it don't know the amount of works that the amount of work that goes into, you know, not even just the video, but everything that leads up to the video and everything after the video. So with that being said, how long in terms of a time frame do you think it took your channel to actually become successful in terms of you had an established audience and you were financially profiting from the channel? How, did, how was that time, timeline for you? Well, first of all, I understand why people don't give YouTubers the type of credit that they deserve. And, and I think it's because anyone can be a YouTuber. That's, that's the best part about it. And that's also the worst part about it. Like, and it's funny when I tell people, oh, I have a YouTube channel. You often get the response of like, oh my gosh, my seven year old cousin has a YouTube channel. When you say I host a television program, you don't get that same response. So I understand where people are coming from. It took my channel a long, long time to be financially feasible. Um, you know, I have this, I have the YouTube plaque here, the, uh, the silver oh, play button. Love, that's the dream. Well, you'll get, you're on your way. You'll get there <laughs> easily. Um, and, and pre congrats. I want to be the first person to congratulate Thank you. Pre congratulations. <laughs> uh, it took me seven years to get that. So um, my channel started in February of 2011, and I probably got monetized maybe six months or 12 months after that. I honestly don't wow. know specifically, but it was like, you know, you needed a hundred dollars uh, in your account to get paid out. And sometimes it would take three or four or five months to get paid out. I was probably after like three or four years making a few hundred dollars a month, which I thought was a nice little bonus for just putting up these conversations with people that I genuinely looked up to. It took a good, seven or eight years to make enough money off of YouTube that I could look at this and go, that might be a viable thing if I put more of my effort into this. Like my main job is still, was still being a television host. And I thought if I'm only doing YouTube with like 20% of my time, like really just my weekends and nights and 
honestly taking vacation days to make YouTube content sometimes, I thought, what if I flipped that? What if I made it like 80% YouTube and then 20% freelancing with hosting and acting and stuff? So it took a long time. And anybody who's watching this right now or listening to this who has a YouTube channel that has three subscribers, just know that everybody starts in that exact same spot. And it's just a matter of like continuing to work at it and grow at it because YouTube, unlike Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, is like molasses slow. It's so, so slow to grow on YouTube. And just basically keep chipping away at that and eventually something's gonna hit. And I'm very happy to hear you say that because I think some of us, you know, sometimes we go on to any YouTuber's channel and we see, oh, this person has so many subscribers, so many views. Oh, I'm never going to get there. It seems so far away or it almost seems like it was easier for that person, right? But the truth is there's all the backstory. Like you mentioned how long it took you to get, you know, to where you are now. And it's just, it, it really is something that you have to be passionate and consistent to do. Um, with that being said, what would you say were some of the biggest challenges that you faced either when you were just 20% focusing on YouTube or when you even switched that to, you know, 80%, like you said? I think finding the time to do it is, is the biggest thing. And I think being consistent is very important. I, I was certainly not consistent for the first many, many years of this. But it was in 2018 that I finally like, I always say vague goals get vague results. And I think that that's so true. People say, I want to grow my YouTube channel. Well, sir, if you get one more subscriber, you have successfully grown your YouTube channel. <laughs> so I think it's true. important to have a goal and actually like, be striving for that goal. So in 2018, I was typically posting maybe 18 to 20 videos a year. That's it. And in 2018, I said, I'm going to do 40 interviews this year. So I was going to more than double what I was yes. normally doing. I was going to go out of my way to make this happen. I ended up hitting 50 that year. Last year, I said, I want my goal is 50. I ended up doing 100. So I think it's important to go out of your way to set those goals. They might, they don't even have to be realistic. Just have something that you're striving for. Um, so that was the biggest thing for me is carving out that time. And even if it is just a hobby, which YouTube is for most of us, it's just a hobby, but putting that as a, a bit of a, putting some more importance on it, I think is, is a, is a really key thing to wanting to continue to grow your channel. Yeah. And you know, they say, if you want something, you have to manifest it. So I almost feel like having that written out go of, of 40 YouTube videos, 50 YouTube videos, whatever the number may be, it's kind of like constantly in the back of your, in the back of your mind. Well, and, and people, because I put that out into the universe and, and, and put it out onto my channel, now I'm accountable for it, right? Now I'm <laughs> accountable. True. So, you know, when you say 40 interviews and it's January and you've done three, you know, that seems like a pretty lofty goal. But when I got to like the midway part of the year and I was at 21 or 22 interviews, I started seeing the comments like, oh, only 18 more to go, man. Like, I can't wait to see, you know, what the next uh, 18 will be. And like the fact that I put it out there, uh, I think really held me to it. Where instead of just like laying back and going, eh, I'm fine this week. I don't need to upload this week. I was like, no, I said I was going to do this thing. I, I got to do this thing. Yeah, it's like now you have to do it because you already told everybody. So it's like that big, like you almost like you almost feel like people like you lose face if you don't go out there and you say like, this is the goal that I'm going to accomplish. So now you have this like writing on your back, but it's not it's not in a pressure way. It's more like in a maybe in a pressure way, but in a fun way. I just think it's important to like 
have goals. I, that's why I always say vague goals get vague results. Specific goals get specific results. And I think it's important to know them yourself and to put them out there. Like, let's say you wanted to, you know, lose 30 pounds this year or something like that. I think it's important to put that out into the world so that, you know, if your friends see you drinking a Coke or stuffing your <laughs> face with pizza, they can be like, <laughs> are you not on this thing, this diet thing anymore? I think it's important to put that out there so people can hold you accountable. Exactly, 100%. So now, earlier you also mentioned that, you know, you had your celebrity type interviews, you mentioned the Twilight stuff, et cetera. So, you know, you, tr you do, you'd focus primarily now on wrestling. Was it hard to sort of niche your channel down or find that branding for your channel? Did you just feel that it worked? Uh, or do you feel like you would like to still incorporate that into the channel? Or do you think that it would have some sort of effect? Well, I think the most important thing to do in YouTube is to listen to your audience. And I was up until the end of 2018, I was doing both. I was posting some of my celebrity junket interviews and I was posting some of my wrestling interviews. And every time I posted a celebrity interview, I would lose subscribers. And I would start to see comments of like, this isn't a wrestler or when's your next wrestling interview? And I just started to listen. I'm like, okay, I, I see what's going on here. And I would be a fool to not listen to this. Also, in that last you know, year and a half since I posted my last celebrity interview, my interviews have gotten longer. They're certainly more podcast style, hour-ish long interviews. If I can have an hour-ish long interview with a Robert Pattinson or a Henry Cavill or a Julia Roberts or you know, the list goes on and on and on, yes, absolutely. And you might start to see that working their way in. But I think right now, I'm a wrestling fan. I'm well aware that people are coming to my channel because of the people who are on there. And I want to just continue to put out stuff that people are interested in. So what advice would you give to other YouTubers if they're sort of facing this issue where they're like, oh, I like this, but I also like that. Like, how do you say like, you know what, stick to this? Or do you think that there's a way to sort of stay broad? What's your opinion on that? I think that if you're just starting out, you should take the biggest wad of spaghetti that you have and throw it at the wall and see what sticks. And you'll find out pretty quickly what stuff works and what stuff doesn't work. And then I think you, that once you figure that out, once you figure that lane out, you can kind of hone in and niche in on that. But if you have you know, less than a thousand subscribers or less than 5,000 subscribers, I'd say just keep putting out different stuff. But with that said, even if your channel is pretty big, it's, it's okay to kind of veer off every once in a while. I'm planning on doing the odd celebrity interview here and there because I think a lot of people come to my channel and think these are wrestling interviews. Yes, absolutely they are. But I don't focus so much on like the current storylines that are going on. I'm trying to drive more at like what makes this person who they are? You know, what makes this person so successful? And I like to kind of tap into like, what did you do different that other people could learn from and apply to their own life? Right. And with that being said, you know, I've seen your interviews, like you said, they're more of a long form, you know, you have a podcast style, you want to be more of a conversation versus an interview. With that being said, what is your process in terms of how you say like, oh, you know, this week I want to talk to so-and-so person, and this is what I want to talk to them about. How do you sort of plan out your schedule and, you know, kind of tell us about that? I, I try to get whoever's available, number one. Like, I, you know, obviously we all have our list of the dream people we'd love to interview, but I basically take who's available and then kind of figure it out from there. Uh, and then I just try to do as much research as I possibly can. I don't think you can be over prepared for an interview. 
There's still a lot of people on this list that I would like to interview, Vince McMahon being a number one at the top of that list. I'd also love to have a longer form interview with Tom Cruise. I don't know if that'll ever happen, but uh, I just think that he's amazing with everything that he's accomplished. And even if you're not a Tom Cruise fan, and even if you're just a wrestling fan, I think that you would watch that interview and go, ooh, there's, there's a lot of takeaways here. Right. And I almost think like, even if, you know, people know you for your wrestling interviews, if you all of a sudden get that one hour long interview with Tom Cruise, it's kind of like you have built a following already where you can get that support from people and be like, you know what? I, I like Chris's work. Let me go and listen to this interview. Even if I'm not that big of a fan of Tom Cruise or whoever it may be. Yeah, I would hope so. So I think that we're going to kind of pepper this in. And I think that Tony Robbins says it best when he says success leaves clues. And when you look at the biggest podcasts in the world right now, Joe Rogan, for example, he's talking to a myriad of different people, even though he's the comic, and I'm using air quotes there, or the UFC guy, but he's talking to everybody. Uh, Chris Jericho is another great example of that. You know, his podcast talk is Jericho, even though he's a wrestler and a rock star, he's not just talking to wrestlers and rock stars. And I think that there's certainly a place for that. 100%. So now let's go ahead and talk about some of the important things that you do in order to maximize the potential of hits or views or popularity for each and every single video. So for you, what are some of your important uh, features in terms of when you publish a video, whether it be from thumbnails to, uh, to tagging? Like, what do you consider some of the most uh, important things? I start with title. I think title is the most important thing. Too many people think of this as a video title. Your video title should actually be a headline, uh, especially in the world of YouTube where there's millions of new videos being posted every single day. It's a needle in a haystack, especially if you don't have a massive following. So figure out a title for your video that makes people go, huh, I need to click on that to find out more. Uh, jumping off of that, piggybacking off of that, your thumbnail has to look good um, because that's, that's the main thing, especially when you're watching it on like a TV or something. You often don't see the title of the video. You just see the thumbnail down there. So make your thumbnail instantly tell the viewer what it's about. Tags are a huge thing. I think too many people think of tags as keywords. They should be looked at as key phrases. Uh, the whole phrase that you would type into Google or YouTube to find that video should be part of your tag. And I just think being consistent. I post my videos every Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern time, mainly because I think that that's a good time that covers everybody in the world. So it's early here in uh, the East Coast. It's midday in the UK. It's almost bedtime if you live in Australia. You're going to wake up in LA and find that interview there. So I think just being consistent with that is another like, very important thing. Do you use any tools? Like what's your favorite editing to, favorite thumbnail creator, uh, favorite uh, SEO, anything? No, not really. I, so I use a, an editor called Edius only because I have a background in news and that's what we used in news and I'm familiar with that. I just use apps on my phone to figure out what these thumbnails should look like. And then occasionally if I need a great thumbnail, I'll reach out to my buddy who's an awesome graphic designer and he'll put something together for me. And I'm like, I should probably use you all the time. That I love that. You I found a way to sort of, you know, make it uh, easier for yourself and in a way that actually works, you know? I think that anyone has the ability to do everything. Uh, I think that especially with YouTube, you can find out like a how-to video on literally yes. anything. But if there's somebody out there that's better at this than you are, it's probably worth the few dollars that you're going to pay that person to make a thumbnail, edit your video, edit your podcast, whatever it is, then you fumbling and bumbling around to try to figure this thing out and only getting like 
60% of the result. Exactly. I remember my early thumbnails. Oh, they were awful. Uh, but with, you have thumbnails, by the way. Oh, I've been working on those. It's been like a hit or miss. Every video, it's like, okay, I got to see the vision for this, man. Um, so it really just, you know, depends. But okay, so obviously, YouTube within itself is one entity. But how have you utilized social media to help drive your numbers on YouTube and vice versa, YouTube to help drive your numbers on social media? Well, I think I was really aware that a lot of people that started following me on Instagram and Twitter were because they had watched my, uh, my videos on YouTube. So I just started kind of going, all right, well, every Wednesday, I'm going to let you know, here's the video that's dropping on Thursday. And then on Thursday, I'm going to let you know, all right, here's the video that has dropped here. Uh, I still think a lot of my views are coming just organically in the recommended section of, you know, what a various amount of videos that happen to be posted. But basically, I'm still posting stuff on Instagram that I'm interested in. And Instagram's the probably the social media platform that I use the most. But I'm still just posting stuff on there that I'm interested in. I'm just consistent about it. And I think a lot of people aren't. I post pretty much every single day just about what's going on. And I think that too many people only pop in when it's important for them. And I think that that's not, I mean, nobody, nobody follows you on Instagram or Twitter because of who you are. They're following you because of who they are. And they're looking for a reflection of themselves in the stuff that you post. Wow. You know, I've never thought about it that way. It kind of just like clicked to me because, you know, everybody says uh, being relatable sells, right? So how else can you be relatable if you're not, if that person isn't seeing a little bit of them inside of you? And I never had it put that way before. And it sort of, you know, really makes sense. And I don't mean like, don't go out of your way to like try to relate to right, people. Of but course. Just know that like, if for example, you're wearing great looking clothes and you're more of like a fashion blogger, know that people aren't following your account because they like you and want to be like you. It's because they love clothes and they see a reflection of that when they follow your account. That's awesome. And do you think you've had more success driving uh, people to YouTube on Instagram or Twitter or another platform? I'd say probably Twitter because of the interaction that you're able to have there and the threads that you can create on there. Also, wrestling fans really seem to hone in on Twitter. Um, yeah. So oftentimes, as you know, Instagram is more of just like a picture show. It's like you're swiping, like, oh, that's a cool picture. I'll, you know, I'll double tap that. Twitter, you can actually have like a back and forth and more of a conversation with people. And speaking of having conversations with people, do you make it a point to uh, build a relationship with your following or is it just gotten too expansive that it's harder for you to do so? Oh, I, I respond. I always, always like every comment on Instagram or Twitter. I respond to a ton of people because at the end of the day, we're all the same here. You know, we're all the same. We're all wrestling fans or we're all pop culture fans. And I just, Happen to have had a few videos that, you know, a handful of people watch. That's the only difference here. I had a goal and I'm still striving after it. I love it. And speaking of goals, you know, milestones are very important. They could be a very huge confidence booster. As you mentioned, you had your goals of videos and all of that stuff. But for you, what was there a specific milestone that you hit that you were just like, yes, I did it. And you were just like really happy. What was it for you? Yeah, so it was, it was this plaque here. It was the silver play button. And I, my goal was to get that before the end of 2018. And I think I started 2018 at like 60,000 subscribers. And I'm like, ooh, man, I'm, I'm looking to almost double my subscriber base this year. Like that is a lofty goal. And I ended up hitting it on August 8th, 2018. 
Oh, and I was wow. Like, like, yeah, so it was like, it was, it meant so much to me um, because that one had very little to do with me and so much to do with the people who were enjoying these videos. So that one meant a lot. I know that a million is like very, very far off right now. <laughs> yeah. But that's something that I'm striving for and just knowing that one day it's gonna happen. There's no reason, like the way I see it is like, there's no reason for your channel not to be a 1 million subscriber channel. No well, reason Well, likewise, whatsoever. same with your channel. Exactly, like that, I feel like that's the mentality that one has to have to sort of, you know, keep pushing forward. So now, what advice would you give your younger self that just started off in this YouTube world, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give yourself? I was told early on in my career to dream bigger. And I think that that's a big thing that I think that I need to still work on every single day. So I think it would just be to dream bigger and also to realize when I started this YouTube channel, like that the potential was literally endless. And I don't think I realized that. I, I honestly just looked at this as like, kind of like a cloud, just like, I'll just put my stuff on there, like a storage cloud. Like, oh, the videos will just live here. If I ever want to send them to somebody, they're here. So I think it would have been dialing in on those goals earlier on. Um, you know, it took me seven years to kind of figure out that there was some real potential here, which is to say I'm excited for what the next seven years can bring. Exactly. Now that you have all of this knowledge in your arsenal, you just never know where you can take that channel to, uh, like you said, in seven years from now. So Chris, I want to thank you for all of this amazing insight that you gave. I hope that the listeners can sort of, you know, whether you have an existing YouTube channel or whether you're thinking about starting one, I think a lot of the information you gave here today is just um, tremendously helpful because like, like you said, we don't always know the resources or how to properly go about running a YouTube channel. But with that being said, it is now time for our lightning round portion of our interview. So I mm. do this lightning round game. I ask 10 questions and you answer them uh, as fast as you can, but you can also go as in depth as you want with the answers. And it's just a great way to sort of get to know you as a person. Uh, so here we go. Are you guys ready for lightning, lightning round with Chris Van Vliet? Here we go. Question number one. What was your reaction to hitting your first 100,000 subscribers? Oh, I was blown away, super excited. And it was like, yes, this thing has happened. Thank you. <laughs> Question number two, wrestler or celebrity that you landed an interview with that you could not believe? Tom Cruise, for sure. That was, after The Rock, that was the one person that I wanted to do an interview with. And I got to do it on the red carpet, in Paris, in the shadow of the Eiffel Tower. It's the greatest photo ever, and Tom Cruise looks you right in the eye and has this way of making you feel special. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, question number three, interview you were most nervous about? Probably The Rock, because of how much he meant to me growing up. I was a huge fan of the Attitude Era, walking around my high school, raising the people's eyebrow, yelling, it doesn't matter, at people all the time. So. Standing outside of the room that you know The Rock is in doing interviews, it's just like you get a little bit, your hands get a little bit clammy because not just, not because of who The Rock is, but because of what this interview could mean. Exactly. And knowing just like the amount of charisma that he has, like literally just having a conversation with someone, like you could only like imagine the potential there. Uh, question number four, favorite part of the video process? I really appreciate the creating part of it. I start, I mean the editing part of it. It's cool to like see everything that you've created and like see it kind of come to life as you're creating it and putting it all together and putting your spin on it. 
Question number five, how often do you check your analytics page? Yeah, oh, every day. Yeah, Seven, four, four times, five times, six times a day. <laughs> It's Plus, important to see what's working and what's not working. That's true. That's definitely Anyone, true. Anyone, any YouTuber that tells you, oh yeah, I don't check my analytics or I don't know what Social Blade is, they are a liar. Okay. That's, I love that you said that, by the way, because I always wondered, I was like, do successful channels even bother anymore with their analytics or is it just a smaller people here that are checking them? Everybody. <laughs> um, question number six, how do you react to negative comments? Yeah, it, it comes with the territory. And I just, sometimes there's a lot of truth in them too. I respond to a lot of negative comments, um, usually with just love and gratitude. Like, thank you for taking the time to watch my video. Thank you for taking the time to leave a comment. And not necessarily, uh, not, not really sure if I agree with you, but I, I certainly appreciate you for being here. Kill them with kindness. Question number seven, favorite YouTuber or YouTube channel that's not your own? Oh, can I say yours? Oh, thank you. I'll take that. There you go. <laughs> Question number eight, what keeps you motivated? It's having goals every single day and just the goals that are your goals for the day, your goals for the week, your goals for the month, for the year, and then the long-term goals too. And I think that it's important to constantly be striving after something. If you don't, if you don't know where you're going, you're never going to end up there. If you get in your car and you're just going to drive around till you get somewhere. Well, where are you going to end up? Who knows? <laughs> Question number nine, dream interview. It's Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon's a dream interview. I don't know if this will happen, but to just be able to interview Vince McMahon, not just the, the wrestling promoter, not just the creator of WWE, but Vince McMahon, the, the man, and Vince McMahon, the businessman, the entrepreneur, I think would be a fascinating conversation. That would be amazing. Uh, question number 10, last question. What is the best way to spend a day off? What's a day off? Huh. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> no, I, 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 uh, I, I try to balance things out. So I, I love the outdoors and I've always been super passionate about fishing and the outdoors. So something outdoors, whether it's fishing or camping or hiking, Something like that, just being able to take a moment to breathe in and just relax. That's really awesome. And I think that's a great way to sort of end our interview. But before we go, Chris, tell people where they can find you on social media, YouTube, any of your latest videos, et cetera. So it's Chris Van Vliet on all social media, V-A-N-V-L-I-E-T. And I also have a podcast which has the very original name, of the Chris Van Vliet Show. So you can find me anywhere and give me a follow and uh, say hi, it'd be so nice to meet you. Awesome, thank you so much, Chris, for this interview. For everyone watching, I really hope that you guys enjoyed it and got an incredible amount of insight. Uh, make sure to subscribe to Chris's channel. Seriously, I'm gonna have all of the links in the description box so you guys can go ahead and do so. And as always, please do not forget to show this video some love, give it a like, subscribe to the channel, uh, help both me and Chris continue to grow even further. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Thank you so much for checking it out. Bye.